This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 579, brought to you by Valiant and the all-new Exo Manowar number one, on sale now in comic shops everywhere, and iFanboy listeners just like you.
579. I'm Connor Kilpatrick alongside Ron Richards. Hello, how you doing? And Josh Flanagan is gone again. But this time he cleared it with HR, so we can't get too mad at him. He followed proper procedure. You win this time. I did I did get a memo from Carol saying that it was okay. So yep. fine. <laughs> this one does not go in your file. We are iFanboy. Every week we read a com- bunch of comics. One of us picks their favorite book called it the pick of the week. We talk about that book, some other books. We do some listener mail. We do some patron picks. We give out superpowers. It's a fun time for about an hour. And here's your spoiler warning. It's a review show. There'll be some spoilers, especially this week. And so exercise some caution. This week, Ron had I, to pick. I did, I did, I did. And so... And before you get into it, Ron, I just want to say, after I read my books, I was like, oh man, if Ron doesn't pick this book... It's going to be like Blackest Night level. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. Josh not picking Blackest Night number one level. Like, I was like, I I almost called you and be like, you have to pick. No, 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 I know, I know. And I'm going to get there because I I feel like I I thought this week was really interesting because the past couple of weeks, we've been hard pressed to make a pick. I feel like mm-hmm. we've been, it's been, it's been a, it, we had the fifth week, we had March, was there some doldrums? It was, you know, kind of things were ending. It was in this weird kind of no man's land. Um, but this week, there was legit, I had three strong contenders for pick of the week. Like, yeah, there, this, there, was a good week. this week, this was, a this, this was a solid week. And I could, I could have probably even made a case for like four or five books, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but, there is a special, for those of you who are keeping score at home for the past 11, 12 years, there's a special pantheon of comics in iFanboy lore that it, not every comic book can attain. In fact, the creators probably don't even know it's, it's, this, is a t- this is a type of award they can get because it's so few and so rare. But uh, the Flintstones number 10 by Mark Russell and Steve Pooh joins the likes of Strangers in Paradise as a comic book that made me cry in public. It's, it's, it, this, and I'm going to say this with trying not to use a lot of hyperbole, this was one of the best single issue comics I've, I've ever read. I can, well, because the thing was, is that like, I'm like, all right, so let me sit that. So let, let me set the, st- let me set the scene for you folks. I'm in a, <laughs> I'm in a bar in Queens by myself <laughs> watching the Mets game. And I got and I got my comics and I'm like I'm just gonna I, I you know I got I, I, my girlfriend was off I, I had I, just, I had a night I had a little rum cocktail going on it's called it's called oh. it's called three sheets to the wind it's it's it's, it's a good it's a nice little drink um, so I had a nice little tiki s cocktail I'm sitting there I got the game on I'm I'm sitting with my comics I'm like I'm just I'm, I got I know where to be I got a clear That's night the best night ever it was a really good night a really really good night and so as you know the way I read my comics is that I read them in the order of excitement that I have for them. And I had already, I think I was at least one, maybe two comics. I was two comics deep in reading my comics. So this is the third comic I read, right? Because it's the Flintstones. But I'm like, all right, let's settle in for the Flintstones. And on the first page, it starts off with the esteemed film director, Werner Herzrock. 
And I was like, oh, bravo, Mark Russell. You're going to do, this is going to be great. So we've got some film jokes and it's getting, it's playing into kind of news media and oh, and we see Claude, the, uh, the, is he the mayor? What is his title? He's the mayor. He's, the mayor, yeah, the mayor of Bedrock is, is a warmonger and we see he's kind of going to war and oh, and Wil- Wilma's got a job as an art director for, uh, for, for hers rock. And then, oh, that's funny and all this sort of stuff. And oh, there's our little buddy, uh, the, the vacuum cleaner elephant. And then, and then the book goes on and we get a little more stuff and, and elephant goes to the movies and that when there were some jokes around the movie theater and that was fun. Um, but, but then elephant gets used by the movie theater to clean up the movie theater and then elephant dies. He got overworked because the movie theater was so terrible. He got overworked and basically poisoned by all the crap. And not to mention that he dies. But how we find out is like we see him at the movie theater watching the movies, which is just adorable. Like the shot of him in the theater by himself. You know, like so it's, it's so beautiful, like such a great panel. And then, and, you know, then we see him being forced to clean up the, the movie theater and his eyes are all going spirally. And you can tell that this is not a good thing. And Fred even says, I think there's something wrong with the vacuum cleaner after that. But then Fred and Barney are at the uh, at the bowling alley and Barney tells Fred a joke and bowling ball remembers. Oh, that's a joke. Vacuum cleaner yeah. wants to wants to know what that is. I can't wait to get home and tell him the joke. And he's trying to remember it. You know, like how did it go and whatever. And then they get home and vacuum cleaner is dead on the floor. Just and, slumped over. And then and so then so then the bowling ball says what you know and and he tells the other the other animals that the vacuum cleaner is dead. And then there's a, a little memory of them meeting each other. He's like, who are you? I'm vacuum cleaner. And and he guys kind of gives a nice little uh, a nice little eulogy and says he made us all better animals. And then Wilma is throwing him out and says, "Well, we didn't even have it very long." And Fred says, "Don't ups- don't be upset. It was just a thing." And I'm like, "God damn as it!" His, as his trunk hangs out the the side of the garbage can. And I'm literally at this point. Don't worry, Wilma. It was just a thing. I'm in the bar, crying. Because the fucking vacuum cleaner bar, is dead. A bar in Queens where one might watch a Mets game <laughs> is definitely the place to be crying over a comic about the Flintstones. This hit me. Uh, and now now here's another. So we're going. The, the, the audience likes it when we go into our personal lives. Um, yeah. I don't like pets. Right. I generally <laughs> I, I really don't like the concept of pets. I don't like pets. I don't think. And this is why. <laughs> this, they die. And I'm heartbroken. This is like, it, I can't, it, it's too much, Connor. It, <laughs> the brilliance of this issue wasn't, I mean, there's a lot going on here. And the main, that's the main emotional talk yep. of this issue. But there's a lot happening. Well, there's a lot, yeah. This yeah. Why, why this was so brilliant was that, first of all, spot on Werner Herzog in this issue. Oh, yeah, I mean, amazing. I could have done an entire issue of Werner Herzog. It was yeah. You know, cinema is a visual exploration of our common humanity. It is the microscope through which we look for our own souls. Like this is, this is spot on. And then there's well, 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 the, the best was when the, the, the best was when when Hertz Rock was was uh, on set and the actor in a zebra costume comes over and says, "I can't see anything in the zebra co- costume." And Hertz Rock says, "The only true obstacle is mortality." <laughs> Just like, yeah, it's. <laughs> It's, oh. That was fantastic. But then there's a great commentary on current war culture and yes. the yeah. desire to to sell everything, to pay for more military, more wars, so the schools get shut down and and the pensions. They get they get uh, like basically Arby's discount cards for, in lieu of pensions. Like that was a great commentary stuff. And then the stuff about cinema because they, they introduced the movies to the culture and how Barney and Fred react to that. 
and then you get more stuff with Betty as an artist. I mean, not Betty, Wilma as an artist. And then you know, and then and then there's almost there's there's commentary on the drone wars because they're using these drone pterodactyls um, to kill, and they're killing the wrong people and they're killing innocent people. And then on top of on top of all that, you also have this thread of of vacuum cleaner. It is, I mean, as an as a piece, the, this, this was absolutely brilliantly done. This I mean, is this is no joke. Best single issues I've ever read. This is an amazing single issue. The craftsmanship that goes into this, and like you said, there's so many. There's so many levels and so much going on in just 20 pages worth of art, 20 pages worth of comics. Yeah. Um, the I thought the 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 a well, I don't know what the a plot is anymore, but the 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 uh, Claude <laughs> Claude and the warmongering and paying for the that's, warmongering. That's the plot, yeah. yeah, that was, and, and then the drone strikes, and then the townspeople realizing that he has no plan. Like is just mm-hmm. amazingly, like, uh, and of course, I mean, I, I, I tell people to read the Flintstones because it is one of the most socially relevant, subversive, topical comic books out there. And this, this is straight up. You cannot ignore, you know, the 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 today, the commentary on what's going on today through this story. And it's spot one hundred percent spot on. What, the point where people are like, why are we doing this? Like, I don't even, I don't, I don't even don't like these people that much. Like, we've we've decided the lizard people aren't any good, but who cares? You know, like, you know, and, right. and, and everyone's like, do we really want, do we really want to have sick children as opposed, so we can get revenge on these lizard people who we don't quite understand? Why, why don't we just leave them alone? Well, they only and, steal ferns. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, and you know, art wise from the cover by Dennis Cowan and Bill Sienkiewicz. Yes. Uh, through Steve, Steve Pugh, um, really, he's as much as responsible for the, the greatness of this book because yep. the, the, there's a lot of acting going on. We, um, we talk a lot about characters who can act, but it's it's actually a really hard skill for a lot of. I mean, I can. There's a couple of comics this week whose characters could not act out of, out of a paper bag. Yeah, but, well, that, uh, there, yeah, there was some a lot of humanity. Yeah, there was there. There's, uh, art is definitely a topic I want to talk about this week, but um, uh, but yeah, Steve Pooh does, does an amazing job on this, and Mark Russell with the jokes. I mean, and there's there's also an additional plot in addition to vacuum cleaner dying, in addition to Wilma and the art, in addition to Herzog, in addition to the warmongering. But you also have this very subtle commentary on like film and pornography or whatever you know like fred and barney in in the overcoats going to see the movies and the puns are i mean shale magnolias right and and, and, uh what was the other movie they go to see bridges of mattistone county joy rock club i mean now if you just pick this issue up it's not gonna see you're gonna you're gonna read it and go i don't understand you have to read you this is this is a 12 issue series they're doing this is issue 10 of 12 Every everything happening in this has been building. This the political stuff's been building. The stuff with uh, vacuum cleaner. This is a culmination yes. issue. Yeah, yeah. Of a lot of things. That's why it's so powerful. So if you're if you haven't read this book, you have to read all ten issues to get it. And and the thing. I mean, it's basically a miniseries, and you have to read it. I mean, yeah. The, the the whole saga of of vacuum cleaner alone is just one that I mean cuz cuz they built a community of all the animals in the Flintstones yeah. house and it was all and he was the linchpin and he was the heart of them and now he's gone and it just and it it, it just it's really upsetting the shot of him in the movie theater uh, finally getting that moment like this is that's his win right yep. he hasn't he's lived his life in the closet he's only only bring him out when they need a vacuum uh, he and bowling ball just wanted to to live out in the world and see what all the excitement's about and here he goes to the movies yeah and he gets to sit in the theater, and he has that moment where it's so beautiful, and he gets to experience the beauty of cinema. Uh, oh. It was really, you know, that would have been great enough if he hadn't had the tragedy pulled on him. It still would have been a great enough issue. 
with that moment of uh, yeah. of triumph. But, or, but you t- you take you take the whole like you said the culmination of the vacuum cleaner story that has gone not every issue but enough where it's a th- it's been a present throughout this entire series and to me a bright spot you know i mean like the yes. lo- the loneliness panel and the joke i mean the joke the the, the 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 that's the the emotional kick of the bowling ball wanting to get home to tell him a joke cuz he wants to know what a joke is yes. and he is too late oh god he's gone oh, it just it just <laughs> killed me killed me killed me so bravo mark russell and steve Pooh. congratulations let's have a moment of silence for vacuum cleaner just amazing amazing comic book i, I just <laughs> flintstones number 10 i cannot say good enough things about this this issue was just masterful it was fantastic so uh i agree with you 100 uh, so and if this if this was five years ago six eight years ago i probably would have been picking x-men gold number one as pick of the week um interesting but but even then i just i i I couldn't, and and this is going to come up a couple times. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you know, the, it was pointed out on social media to a lot of us uh, that that the theory that there might be some straight up trolling going on uh, by having a, <laughs> a entire splash page where the only dialogue is "I've got this." Um, well, we're not talking about the book, I don't think, but this week in Green Lanterns, yes, uh, yeah. it, it was a recurring dialogue motif. The I I you we got this uh, yeah. motif, which we have, we're not really talking about anymore. Um, but it's it still happens. Yeah, so, it still happened. No, the Green Green Lanterns. I mean, like I thought about adding it for us to talk this week just because it was so egregious. I mean, like it literally, it yeah. was. I lost count on the number of, of variations on "I've got this" that happened. At least in that five book. times. At least five. Yeah, yeah. But um, but I will give Mark Guggenheim credit and X Men Gold that. I, if I'm gonna make a case for a use of "I got this," Kitty Pride phasing mm-hmm. a skyscraper falling. Okay, yeah. I'll give it to. Um, so from the from the cover inward, uh, so it's Mark Guggenheim wrote it and Arden Syaf on the art, who I liked the cover of the last of the X Men book last week. Um, did you notice on the cover that in the X logo, they in the little triangle, they've got the team there? Like I know, just noticed that now. Yeah, yeah. So I noticed that. I'm like, okay, that's a good start. It's a modern take on a classic kind of tr- you know classic you know yep. approach. Yep. Um, so this is the first book, the first a full book of the new chapter in the X Men, and this is the classic. X-Men team. This is the, we're going to give you the 80s and 90s X-Men that you love, but in a modern day. In fact, Mark, Gu- Mark Guggenheim says that in the right up in the back of it. You know, like it's, if you like the X-Men in the 80s and 90s, this is the book for you. Um, right. It's, you know, it's it's the adventures of Kitty, who's now taken the Professor Xavier position um, to the point where in the book she says, to me, my X-Men. Um, right. And the team is Kitty, it's Old Man Logan, Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, and Rachel Summers, who now has a new code name of Prestige. Terrible. Terrible. Horrible. And I get it. I get it that she can't be called Phoenix or Marvel Girl anymore. But just and and like what what what, I want I want to talk a little bit about superhero code names, right? Okay. Because they make a whole point of of uh, saying how you know there's a whole thing explaining her new name, right? And in the opening battle, right, Kitty makes a point to say Storm and Prestige, go do this. But then she says, Peter, I need you. Like, okay, you're gonna call him Colossus. You can call him Peter. You know, also, you, I had to Google who was Prestige in the beginning because you yeah. don't, they don't explain it until I think half through the issue. Oh no, in the it's in the last third. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, so it's, I was I was like, maybe they'll tell me, but I, I feel like I should know before you know that point. I, I thought about stopping and looking it up, but I'm like, no, I'm going to go with it because I had a general idea who it was, and then and but just by her power set and hair color, but you know, then we get explained or whatever. But um. They he addresses this the mansion being in Central Park um, yeah. through we and now here's the thing we talked last issue about how the baseball game the softball game is a great thing I, I can't I can't talk about the scene run it, it really 
I really like this issue, but this <laughs> this base baseball scene really hurt me. Yeah, hurt me bad. Why? Because they use powers? No, because well, I mean, there's that, but like. Okay, first of all, for the second time in a row, yep. if you, in the dialogue, if it says that they're playing softball, you got to have them pitch an underhand. Yep. <laughs> um, and then I feel like someone could have sent Artie and CF some some reference. Some reference. Agreed. On, on baseball. I mean, this this is some of the worst drawn baseball I've ever seen, and I've yep. seen some terribly drawn baseball. But, like, you got the pitcher maybe eight feet from the batter here. Yep. Um, and you've got – just a bunch of random people standing behind her and no semblance of any kind of order. Uh, all, there's no bases. There's no pitcher's mound. Yep. There's no base paths. You've got uh, the grandstands way off to the side. Yep. Um, it's and, just like, and, and listen, it just hurts me. It might be nitpicking. Like they, they go, they go as far to have a backstop and yeah. like, and like rough lines, but then, you know, the, it, it just, it just, it felt wrong. The entire scene. You can felt tell wrong. me you're going to put down perfectly straight foul lines, but you're not going to put a goddamn base on the field. Like right, exactly. <laughs> I get, look, People here at home are, are going, just shut up. But like, okay, baseball just started, and right, I've been yeah. deeply in it. I just watched all of Ken Burns' baseball documentary, and I've been watching baseball games. And you're telling me that you can't send the artist a reference of a baseball field, even on even in Central Park, a place I grew up playing baseball. Yep. Uh, they have at least several um, fields. Several base fields. Paths. Yes. Base paths. Exactly. There are, home, there are home plate embedded in the in the dirt. Yep. Like. It it really hurt me, Ron. It really it really it, hurt. It me. was it, it was painful. It was a pain. and and honestly, that's the thing that kept X Men Gold from being the 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 pick was just the I, I think Guggenheim is a great writer. You know, he's involved yeah. he's involved in the CW Arrowverse shows and and Still, yeah. he's a producer of that show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's he he gets story. He gets superheroes. This had the optimism and the and the 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 feeling I want from an X Men book. I like the idea that they're back in a mansion, all stuff like that. They do address the mansion being in Central Park as when the mayor. Uh, representative shows up with their tax bill of eighteen million dollars, um, uh, which when I mean when you think Xavier's fortune, Warren's for, fortune, I mean there are very numerous fortunes going on in the X Men universe. I, I would imagine that this bill would not be a problem. But um, also they went through that really quickly, like, really quickly. They, they, yep. That was a joke they went through very fast. Yeah, there must be some payoff coming. Yeah, no, there's there's got to be. But um, so like I I felt as if this was mostly there, right? It was. Yeah, you know what. I, I agree with you. I, I thought story-wise, it's pretty close. I, as much as we praised the cover art la- on X Men Prime by by yes. Ardian CF, and I'm really sorry. CF, CF, yeah. I, I thought he was very inconsistent in his yep. interiors. Every and- now, every now and then, he had a, a Lanil U vibe. But then it would it would go away, and yeah, there were there there was a consistency problem. There were some there were some like the 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 panel of Prestige explaining her name and showing you know the, her as Phoenix and her as Marvel Girl in the background, yeah. and and like Kitty wants her to look forward. That page was actually really good, you know. But the baseball page was a problem. Um, you know, the, there was a couple of the the night scenes with Nightcrawler and Storm, where it's just like Storm's face was just all sorts of mangled. Um, yeah, it's just it, yeah. it 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 wasn't consistent. Um, is not that great. Like, yep. I think he and he the cover here is good too. So I feel like maybe he's a really good pinup artist. But um, 
Yeah, possibly. It's hard to get. It's hard to get super excited about an X Men book when the art is really. Well, not well, well that's the thing. When you think when you think about the great moments in X Men, at least in my lifetime, right? They are punctuated by. I hate to say it, but legendary artists. You know, whether whether it's Dave Cockrum or John Byrne or my right. favorite Paul Smith or um, you know Mark, Mark Silvestri, Jim Lee, Joe Madiera, John Cassidy, John Cassidy. Frank Quitely. Yeah. Like you think about these names, and not yeah. to say that Arden Syaf isn't going to be up there someday but like and this is and and we're gonna get into this uh later in the show but i just feel as if you know marvel like we we railed on dc for the past five years because they sacrificed art uh to get those new 52 books to ship monthly right um and i feel as if dc has compensated to a certain degree in that they're putting a little more focus on having better art more contemporary art you know but like kind of stuff like that whereas i feel like the floor has like where marvel's been in the news a lot about about the problems at Marvel and the diversity and all this sort of stuff, you know, all this sort of stuff. But no one's calling Marvel on the ca- carpet for like I cannot believe that some of the art that's getting through the door at Marvel these days gets through. Yeah, uh, and it's it's even harder when you flip to the back and they give you the history of the team and it's like, oh, there's yeah. Jack Kirby and John Byrne on the first page. And, yeah, and yeah. It just it's it's hard as a as a as a comparison, but also if you look at this essay in the back, they're going to ship this twice monthly. So yeah, it's only exactly. going to, it's right. only going to get worse from here. Yeah, it's it's just it's just really rough and sad because I feel I and again I feel like give Arden side after side after time to do it right. Clearly he can do he can do it. I mean we, we we saw some great art pieces and so I don't know what the problem is or or where what part of the world he's in and maybe it's the editor's fault for not focusing on giving reference and working with him or what kind of deadlines they're working on. But it's a challenge. And then so then when you juxtapose it with what really was the runner-up to pick of the week for me, um, which is a new, <laughs> the first issue of a new series from Aftershock Comics called Eleanor and the Egret, number one. Uh, right. And th- because this was written by John Lehman, who we love from Chew, and one of my all-time favorite artists, Sam Keith. And when I got this, I, I said, I cringed a little because while I love Sam Keith and his run on the Max in the 90s was amazing and, and some of the other stuff he did in the late 90s, early 2000s, more recently Sam Keith has been, you know, it, it's, it hasn't, you know, time goes on, right? And, and skills yeah. wane or things like that. Um, actually, one from the vault, there's a, uh, I, I'm fairly certain there's a talk explode with me and Sam Keith, which is one of the most awkward interviews <laughs> I think I've ever done. I remember, actually, I remember there, there's a very popular comic book artist who loved to listen to that because he said he could hear me uh, tr- trying to deal with Sam Keith because <laughs> he's, he, he's truly an artist. I mean, he's just, he gets lost in his art. Um, Eleanor and the Egret was beautiful. So this what was, is it about? So it's, it, it's, it's a caper book. It's, it, imagine, imagine a art theft story written with the humor with with the humor of John Layman and Chew although not as 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 kind of I don't want to say not slapsticky but gimmicky not even gimmicky whatever Rob Guillory brought to Chew right mm-hmm. imagine that x factor of the art being done by Sam Keith and having an air of a Rick Geary story hmm like th- th- this, is this it a true story? No, I don't think so. I think it's totally made up. So basically, it's it opens up with this this kind of Inspector Clouseau type um, uh, investigating a the theft of a uh, uh, of a painting, and the, him and the other cop are trying to figure out how it was done because it's this impenetrable museum, and the only clue that was left was a feather, a bird feather. But as they're trying to figure out how the how the crime was done, we actually get to see how the crime was done. And is this this girl named Eleanor who has an an egret 
who helped her break into the museum. It can fly through the laser things. It cut it, mm. it, it, it cut a hole in the glass of the window to fly out with its beak. Its beak changed into the shape of a key to open the lock. Like it was it was it was really well thought out of like they showed how this caper happened. And then um, and then the inspector takes the the feather clue and goes to the local pet store asking if they know what kind of bird it is. And the pet store owner says, oh, I don't. But that customer over there, Eleanor, she's an expert on birds. And she like gets freaked out and she's got to hide her egret in the bag. And she's stolen the painting. We don't know why the painting is worth millions. But this was I mean, it was it was funny. It and it just looked gorgeous connor i mean it is it was beautiful so is his style is it is it reminiscent of that old or is it yeah strange? i mean it's not it's not exact it's not exactly like the max but it's more like the max than anything i've seen in, in ages from him interesting um what has he been doing uh, he was doing he did he did a bunch of stuff um he was doing stuff for oni for a little bit and i think he was doing stuff at idw remember he and every now and then he did that um um, he did he did the stuff at, at DC the Batman story with Scott Ian from yeah. Anthrax. Um, right. I'm looking him up now, but he I mean he's one of my all time favorite artists, and it was so great to see something so creative and wonderful from him. And 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 Layman, I think Layman when Layman's writing for himself, he's really good. You yeah, know, oh, you know, totally. Yeah, and um, you know, and so it, this was just great. So I mean, Aftershock Comics puts out a lot of a lot of different stuff, a lot of a lot of you know, a lot of genre stuff and things like that. And uh, you know, I would say take a chance on it because this was this was a, a lot a lot of fun. Um, yeah, he hasn't done anything. I mean, IDW's been putting out the Max, the reprints. That's all he's been credited with. But something, the last thing I saw that he did a a bat an issue of Batman, Batman thirty eight. Was he in on? Uh, he maybe. might have done a cover, Batman Saga number forty. Um, yeah, he's done stuff at DC, and that's about it. But it's been years. Oh, he did that. He he. Oh no, he did, yeah, he did that Mars Attack series, Mars Attack Firstborn back in twenty fourteen. So he's not been big on the scene. So good job for John Layman for getting him focused. But this is just beautiful. It was great. I, I strongly recommend it. Strongly. Awesome. So, yeah. So Superman number twenty this week. It's the first issue post the uh, the Superman Reborn story that that reinvented Superman, and uh, they go right back into the Batman and Robin and Superman and Jonathan Kent uh, team up story, in which uh, we're all back on the farm. Superman's really enjoying, you know, clarity in his life. Lois is there. Uh, Superman's, you know, they're playing pool. They're they're just having a, a simple life on the farm. But then Batman and Robin show up and. Batman is convinced that something ain't right with the boy. Something's wrong with him. He should be more powerful than he actually is. He's something's holding him back. Superman wants wants him to leave him alone, just eat eat pie and shut up. But Batman won't let it go, and we realize that the next door neighbors, the dairy farmers, in which who have the granddaughter, who uh, has been hanging around with Jonathan playing in the in the fields, something's wrong with his milk. And so that's the big story. I thought it was very funny that this is a milk story. There's a demonic milk. There's a demonic milk farm next door. Next door to Superman. That's a curious direction to take. And did you see that coming? Yeah. No, didn't see any of it, any of it coming. Interesting. I uh, wasn't expecting that that to happen. I mean, the, these characters have been in the background, but I just thought they were, you know, they're they're they're, they're the boys Lana Lang, you know, version. And but now it's it's demonic milk. Wow. I also really decided I don't like the I like lo- the Superman costume. I like it. I don't like the belt. Right. The belt looks dumb. But it, 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 so, so it's so close, but it's yeah. It's real close. I, yeah. I, can, I can accept it. I just don't like the belt. 
Yeah. Don't really like Batman's belt either, but that's fine. Well, that's that's the thing. It's is is it's you know they're they're trying to modernize these costumes. And I don't know if they're fully successful. Oh, I, 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 I between you and me, every time like we saw the promo art um, this past weekend at the at Dallas Fan Expo of Scott Snyder working with Greg Capullo, and yeah. it's it's a JLA story called Metal, which you know it's it's going to be great. But um, that promo image of Batman with the dumb yellow outline on the bat signal, I just I hate it. I hate that costume. Mm. And I don't even like Batman. So I don't mind the chest. I just don't like the belt. Yeah. But, what, uh, what about what about the uh, the the ridges on the legs? You know, like the the grips. Yeah. We know how I feel. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm on the record with about the ridges. The ridges are bad. Yeah. But uh, this is a fun story. J, you know, Peter J. Tomasi, Patrick Gleason, Patrick Gleason also drawing it. A little, a little, much like the X Men book, a little shaky. Where some pages and panels were really fantastic, and others not so much. Oh, but, we're going to get into that a little bit. Trust me. But uh, really great shot of Superman confronting Batman and Robin. They're they're hiding out in his uh, barn, and Superman standing in the doorway with backlit. He looks very much like Batman. Oh, it was a really great, really, really great panel. Uh, actually, strangely enough, second half of the book much stronger art-wise than the first half of the book. Interesting. You'd think it'd be the opposite, but yeah. uh, well, it, it, we assume that the artists are drawing in sequential page order, but they might not be. They, I, I just assume they draw in reverse order. Right. They start on the last page and go backwards. Yeah. So that makes the most sense. I, I figure they draw last panel first. Yeah. So speaking like, like of more book. Speaking of art, uh, Champions number seven, uh, which is the you know the young teen heroes book with uh, by Mark Wade with art by uh, Humberto Ramos. Last week I talked about the problem with the all new X Men book where the artists in that book were drawing the all new X Men and they looked like. 20, 30, 20 or 30 year olds, right? Yeah. Um, I just want to give it up for him, Better Ramos, to actually draw teens that look like teens. Yeah, he does. Like Cyclops looks like a kid. Like, you know, Ms. Yeah, Mar- you know, Ms. Marvel looks like a kid. And like it, that. It, they're, they're, they're small, they're skinny. Yeah. Um, it, it, it works. It makes the characters more relevant when they look like they're teenagers. But what I don't understand about the cha- this, champ- this champion's book is perplexing as this entire team. It's weird. I, it's because weird. it's weird, right? Okay, I'm not alone. Okay. No, I was, I was going to put this on the list if you didn't. Cause it, it's yeah, weird. because, and, and like, there's even a reference in X Men Gold where, like, they, they, there's a battle in, in Manhattan. A lot of references to the champions in that book. Yeah. A lot of references to the champions where, like, they're, they're like, oh man, we thought the Avengers would come, or, or at least the champions. And, like, everyone's throwing around champions like they're a fucking established team. And, yeah. like, and I get that they want this to be like the young Avengers. <laughs> that was a great title. Um, they want it to be like a younger version of Avengers. And it's got, you know, um, uh, the Muslim girl. And 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 Miles Morales and and you know like and and Asian Hulk and like like I get the diversity thing and that's fine and I like these characters I like these characters together but it almost feels like the Mean Girls joke would stop trying to make fetch happen like stop trying to make champions happen like either it happens it happens naturally or you you don't force it that's my that that's my point you and I are in a scary wavelength because I was I was thinking of the same joke in my head you're right yeah. it's, these things are much more relevant and powerful when they actually happen organically when, you, yeah. when you're shoving champions down my throat and now the other problem with this book is that you know mark wade is great we love mark wade we just the whole talk split about his flash he's uh, great first volume of his flash run he's, a, he's one of the best writers in comics this is starting to feel like a book about teenagers written by an older man yeah it's 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 a little much like it just feels like a guy who's looking online for how the kids talk these days it doesn't feel authentic um it's a little like uh, you know, there's one point where the, the, so the champions are being questioned because they were framed for beating up these uh, homeless people. By the, they're framed by this sort of the anti-champions group who are all about capitalism and, and, and putting a boot on the little guy. And they're being they're at a police 
you know, interrogation room being, this is a serious situation, and Miss Marvel's more concerned. I'm paying attention to the only court of opinion that matters. It's like, no, you're actually at a real police station. They might, that's actually a really important court of opinion. You might actually go to jail. Right, yes. It's just like, it's like I get it. Social media is kind of important, but really, at the end of the day, it's not that important. And, um, you know, being in trouble with the law, a little bit more important than being in trouble on, on Twitter. And it just feels very much like they're tr- Marvel's trying very, very hard at this book to make it feel like this is cool and hip and relevant. And uh, it comes off a little grating at times. And, like, you know, vi- the Vision is their sort of... Because his daughter's in the team, so he's there with them. And, and they're like, you know, Vision offers to help their problem, get the Avengers to help. I'm like, no, this, you know... You know, the, no, no, the Avengers are no big deal. This is this is this is love of the champions. It's kind of like it felt. It feels very forced. This 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 issue in particular. Yeah, it's and, it's just uh, it definitely feels forced. And it's definitely it's a weird vibe. It's a weird you know. So, um, I, and I don't get. I, and I get, I get it. They want to make the book work, but it's at the same time it feels very very like oh what you know the, the, like you don't you don't think the champions are a thing? The champions are a thing. It's seven issues. Like, and I don't even get the sense of where the team, like, you know, like, they're not under one root. Like, they're having these crazy, wacky adventures, but it's never, refer- ah, it's just weird. It's just weird. So Also, the entire issue hinges on a copyright claim. Right, which is weird. <laughs> which, which, weird. Like, I kind like, of admire. Yeah. I kind of like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know what? Fuck it. This is all about copyright law. <laughs> oh, God. But uh, bravo to Humberto Ramos. The art is amazing. Oh, it, I, looks, it's, it looks fantastic. Honestly, literally, I don't know what's going on half the time the issue because of the story is so convoluted and kind of out there, but the art is great, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, we want to thank our sponsor for this episode. Uh, this episode of My Fanboy is brought to you by Valiant and the all-new Exo Manowar number one, which is on sale now in comic shops everywhere. Uh, New York Times bestselling writer Matt Kent and rising star Tomas Giorello, who I thought was wonderful in Exo Man of War. Have, really um, great. Really, really great, great art, yeah. Have kicked off a brand new beginning for Valiant's flagship character in part one of Soldier. This is a perfect jumping on point if you're ever curious about Valiant or Exo Man of War. And it's the opening chapter of 2017's biggest new ongoing series. Uh, if you've been looking for a place to start with, uh, honestly, one of the most acclaimed publishers in comics right now, Valiant's got great reviews. They put out great products. They're the, 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 uh, the production values on the books alone, the printing. I see, that's the thing. Those, they put out great trades. Um, yeah, so, they do. Yeah, so this is the one you want to check out. Exo Manowar number one, on sale now from Valiant Entertainment. In fact, two weeks ago, it was you, the, the iFanboy patrons, our biggest supporters, picked Exo Manowar number one for us to talk about. Had nothing to do with these ads. These ads happened independent of that. Talk about kismet uh, and synergy. It's all working together. Uh, so definitely check out Exo Manowar number one before issue number two comes out. They're working very hard to make sure copies are available for you. And of course, they're available digitally. Uh, check them out. Valiant Entertainment, Exo Man of War number one. We thank them for their support. Uh, yeah, so, take, it from, take it from three guys who are not valiant people. We all really enjoyed yeah, the issue. Exactly. Yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's the thing is that like, we'll, like Valiant came to us and like, oh, we want to, you know, we, 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 we know the people who listen to your show have good taste in comics. We'd like to reach them. Check out this book. I read the book before we accepted the ad and I was like, okay, cool. Like, uh, this is, this is, I wholeheartedly recommend this whether they're paying or not. So, and they're helping us out. So that it all works out. So, Exo Manowar number one. Definitely check it out. Um, So, speaking of art, uh, Captain America, Steve Rogers, number 15. uh, I don't know. Are you, did you, 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 you bailed from this, right? I I only read the first issue, yeah. Okay. So, I will go on record saying that I like what Nick Spencer is doing with this. I, I, and I, I, part of me only likes it because it's just making people go bananas, which I kind of enjoy. I I, want to, I want to clarify. I didn't 
stop reading because I'm like one of those people that's angry that he's a Hydra agent. I don't believe right. that's actually the case. I just didn't like the tone of the story. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't want to read that Captain America story. Yeah. That's all. That's fine. Which is fine. But I, I, I do like the fact that everybody's losing their minds. Yeah, I love the fact that everyone's losing their minds. And for the most part, it has been it has been interesting to see it develop. And I've been reading it all along. But this issue with art by Javier Pina and Andres Gu- Guinaldo, and I don't know who was who. Um, Gabriel Delato did the lettering. Hmm. Which which is weird because he's an artist. Lettering <laughs> um, emergency happened. I will give you a little behind the scenes action. When I worked at Image, we would get a lot of books submitted to us because uh, there was an open submission policy, and there were and I was involved in you know kind of evaluating a lot of those books. And there were books that we would reject outright because of the art. And if someone delivered a comic with some of the art from Captain America, Steve Rogers, in this particular issue, I would have said, no, don't print, publish that. That's not, that's, not, that's not pro level. And it's in fucking Captain America. There is a page on here, Sharon Carter, that looks like the worst deviant art wannabe artist you've ever seen. And I don't know who it is. I don't know why. I don't know how it gets through. But it's like, wow, is Marvel just like, who cares about the art? Pump it out. The... It's a real problem, and it's not something that's being talked about because Marvel's got a lot of big problems right now. Yeah. Um, and DC is certainly not not immune to this as well. I think there's a there's a problem in comics right now in general with art. Yeah. And and whenever you bring this up, people get defensive. Artists, especially that artists aren't getting their their due. There's a lot of great artists out there. But we've been in the golden age of writing for 20 years now, and yeah. I, I wonder if the emphasis on writing has let art f- fall to the wayside because in the 80s you had great writing but it was all about the artist right mm-hmm. artists moved moved books artists were the were the names i mean you know for all the everyone wants to be respected and part and and you know whenever someone says the most important thing right now is an artist it's writers artists are artists get offended sure yeah but in the 80s night especially the 90s you you could not tell me that writers sold books like artists did they yep. didn't no. It was all about the artists, and I wonder if swinging the pendulum so far to the other side caused writing artists to atrophy because there really isn't. There's not a stable of great artists. There's not a stable of new, great new artists out there. Yeah, I couldn't even tell you the last big name artist who came on the scene and blew everybody up. Yeah, uh, it's just it's and and right now you're getting a lot of books with starring big name characters whose art is not that good. I just okay. I just cannot believe it. if you'd show me the art from this book five years ago, I would be like, that's not a Marvel book. Like the right. level it's dropped to, it's just it's really disturbing. So, and it sucks because I think Nick Spencer's doing a great job in the story. It's do it's hitting all the right buttons, and and there are moments where the art has been good on this. Like I don't know the fill in or the schedule or what's going on, but these are not pro level artists, and the 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 expectate is the pump and dump mentality is just hurting. It's hurting everything. So, um, that said, what was the artist when it started? It was uh, what's his name? Jesus Moreno. Really Jesus Moreno, or was it Jesus Moreno? Maybe I could, I don't remember. So. All right. Well, yeah. Anyway, um, but sp- but speaking of art, th- th- so on one hand, I was just sickened by some of those pages in Captain America, <laughs> but on the other hand, and I don't really have anything to say about the story here, but the fact that Love and Rockets number two came out this week with Fantagraphics just had me all happy, and I got lost in in Brothers Hernandez for a little bit. And nobody, you know, I know you don't like them. Other, it's a it's an acquired taste, but I love the fact that we get new Love and Rockets comics every now and then. So oh, I'm the very happy. art wise, yeah. I mean, yeah, ironically, yeah. they're they're really great. I just yeah. never respond to their stories, but yeah. you know, there's no there's no denying that the Hernandez brothers are fantastic. Yeah. Artists and yeah. all the more reason to talk about Motor Girl number five. Oh, yeah, <laughs> which um, we met you mentioned Strangers in Paradise earlier. Yeah, Terry Moore's latest book. We talked about a bunch of the issues. I don't know that if you maybe pick top five, this wouldn't be on it right now. Yeah, this book. Um, 
it continues to be really, really interesting. And I know that sounds boring, but it's not. There's a lo- I don't know exactly what's going on here, even though it's very broad. I mean, it's, you've got it, it's you've really, got weird it, aliens, and it's it, that part takes a whole weird turn this week. It's it's really funny because um, Terry Moore has shown himself to be very. You know, he can lean in on humor and do it well. He can lean on on drama and do it well. He's proven he can do horror and and thriller with Rachel Rising and and sci-fi with Echo and things like that. But I think Terry Moore's at his best when he's doing a little humor-laced personal, you know, kind of character. You know, like you you get a sense of who the characters are and things like that. And when the when the tone of his books are light, that's when he's at his best. And Motor Girl is striking that balance perfectly. It is it it it's got cartooning and it's kind of funny and they're kind of weird kind of wacky things but there's some really heavy shit going on in this book well to me the scene that encapsulates that the best is so last issue one of the folks is trying to drive uh motor girl <laughs> off her land i don't remember her name uh he got sucked up into a spaceship into a flying saucer so he wakes up in this issue he looks down and he sees like a mermaid legs underneath him he's, he's been laying down he's, and he's like oh my god they gave me fish legs and he's freaking out and he realized oh no that's just a blanket and so he's <laughs> He's he's yelling at them through the glass window, and the little alien who's in like a like a radiation suit takes off the helmet. The helmet, and it's like a little Disney esque dog character. So he's this yep. cute little dog alien. The guy's like, "Oh, aren't you adorable? This is great." So you you have your expectations reversed. So first you think he's been worked on. No, it was just a blanket. And then you've got an alien. Oh no, he's a, he's a cute little Disney dog. And then the he, he's in a, he's, the room he's in is full of smoke. So they 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 remove all the smoke, and you see, oh, the room is full of people who have been. Uh, grotesquely mutilated by these aliens. Got, there's a guy with a cow head, and there's a there's a there's a guy whose head is on a cow body, and there's a guy who's got a head on a duck body, and then uh, he says, you know, starts screaming, "Let me out of here!" And the dog gives him the finger. So they, it gets really dark all of a sudden. So it's it starts off really startling. It gets really funny, and har- and then it gets really scary. I think that this is that was one of the the better scenes I read this week. Yeah. Um, and and obviously the book is just. It's just beautiful. Great stuff. Um, so also came out this week, uh, and which was a close runner-up to the patron pick, was Rock Candy Mountain, number one from Image Comics, uh, which featured uh, was written and drawn by Kyle Starks with colors by Chris Schweitzer, who's a uh, one of one of our favorite creators, one of Josh's favorite creators, right? Yep. Um, yep. And uh, this was really good. It's about a about a the hobo trail. It's about hobo, hobo life. Hobo, like hobo, hobo life. But this did not feel like an image book at all. Yeah, it felt like an Oni Oni Press book, or right. Um, really interesting. Yeah. Uh, the hobo culture is one of the more fascinating subcultures, especially in that period. It's post world post Civil War through World War II that the, ho- the you know life on the rails and hobo and hobo language and you know they had their own they had their own songs and folklore and and the sim- remember the sim- the hobo symbols in the Mad Men yep, like yep, yep. hobo culture is really interesting. And this is kind of a heightened take on it, of course. I mean, it can't just be a straight hobo culture story. It's but there's a devil uh, in here. But um, you're right. It didn't feel like an image book. It felt like an Oni Press book from from ten years ago. Yeah, it really it really had that feel. So uh, it was, it was fun about to- two two guys riding the rails. You yep. know, one one hobo veteran who who everyone knows is sort of a legendary hobo, and plus a new hobo who from Pomona, who had a failed Hollywood career, who's uh, riding the rails back home, and then they run into a, the ho- hobo boss. Who and there's a big fight. I, I I thought this was like 75% there. I thought uh, art-wise it was great. 
Um, story-wise, it was really interesting. I thought there was there was a couple of really groaner jokes, but um, I liked it enough. I'll probably read the second issue. Yeah, yeah, no, me too. I th- I'm totally in, but I, I I just still can't get off. I'm like, oh, this is an Oni book, so maybe yeah. maybe the move to Portland is affecting them more than we know. So have you have you ever heard the original Rock Candy Mountain song? No, I haven't. Because because there's the song you probably remember as a kid because it did a lot of like kid versions of it. But if you the Oh Brother We're Out There soundtrack has the has a version of the original on it, and it's a it's this bizarre hobo song. I, I honestly I love I mean you remember when Hodgman came out with his book like geez like ten years ago and there was yeah. a, there was a whole chapter on hobo names it was just yeah. like it was, it was I love hobo culture it's great but yeah. check out the original song it's, it's a bizarre sort of fantasy hobo song about how eventually they will get to the land of Rock County Mountain where there's uh, whiskey whiskey lakes and all yeah. the uh, all the train bulls are blind like it's a really interesting interesting yeah song. very interesting so uh, real quickly uh, I want to go into Star Wars corner I feel like I'm always in Star Wars corner without Josh and so I'm sorry you're here, you're here alone but so uh, so this is the uh, geez the the fifth issue in Yoda's Secret War storyline which is just continuing um, as Luke has arrived at the at the planet. Uh, where Yoda had this fat battle with the mountain, <laughs> and um, and I, again going back to art, this has got art by Salvador Larocca, who's been doing the entire art story arc, and it's been fine. Yep. In fact, Larocca did great on 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 Darth Vader, you know, all that while back. Um, this had something like might as well just fucking screenshot Star Wars and copy and paste Luke's face on the on the figures on this really? book. It, like some of the worst photo, like blatant photo, not even photo, fo- like photo, photo, tracing. Photo, photo tracing. Like it, and it's unbelievable. And it's just with Luke. Like it was just, like I don't I don't understand it. And so it just it and like the head didn't match the body. And it was just maybe it, an editor got the pages in and realized that Luke was a disaster and they had to fix it. Maybe who knows? But it was just yeah, it was it was rough. It was just rough. So. And this whole story arc is rough. I just want to move on. It doesn't, and and I, I think it's I think it's done. I think we've moved on. Except the whole point was Luke going to go to this planet to help save C three PO and R two D two who've been captured, and the story arc ends, and no sign of that. So maybe in the it teased the next uh, story arc, the Screaming Citadel, which has got Luke and Doctor Aphra together. So maybe that that will happen there. But uh, Star Wars was so good at issue twenty five and issue thirty, not so much. So. so those are the books we wanted to talk about this week. You can go to ifanboy.com, find a post for this show, and you can talk about these books or other books you read. And now let's move on to the patron pick. Every week, our patrons over at patreon.com slash ifanboy get to vote on a book to include in the show. This week, as Ron said earlier, it was neck and neck between this book and Rock Candy Mountain number one. It was literally down to the wire. Yep, and by, uh, by one by one vote, it changed. So. Yeah. But by one vote, Black Cloud number one from Image Comics won. This is written by Jason Latour and Ivan Brandon, script by Ivan Brandon, art by Greg Hinkle, colors by Matt Wilson. And uh, my one good thing I'll say about this book is that it was it was nice to see Greg Hinkle drawing sort of a fantasy story because he's yeah. been we saw him on uh, Airboy, which got a little bit you know superhero-y, but not really. And then we saw him on the uh, the the Rattler, which was a horror comic, but like realistic horror, not monster horror. Here he's drawing. You know, uh, anthropomorphic animals and creatures, and you know, you know, bulls wearing suits and lions, and 
but it was a completely incomprehensible mess, and I didn't enjoy any of it. I, I had a feeling that you were going to like the story. I, I, I saw. I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big Jason Latour fan. I like both his art and his writing. Um, I, I've, you know, Ivan Brandon has written a lot of, a lot of stuff, and I've liked, I, I like Drifter. I like some of his more recent stuff. Um, I haven't read everything he's done, so I don't. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna. I can't make a, you know, like a, a blatant. He's good or bad. I think he's more good than bad. Um, Greg Kinkle, we know we love. So I'm like, okay, this yep. is gonna be really interesting. I like the weird kind of Matrix vibe going on in that there's you know a portal to another place and some and this woman is kind of the she's the 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 jumping point between the two but it was definitely throw you in without letting you know what's going on and be confused kind of storytelling um, and yeah, I, as I read this I was like oh Connor's not gonna like this at there's all. nothing about this that, that encouraged me to want to read more the characters yeah. weren't interesting. Um, I mean, it was kind of interesting that basically the mayor of this town is paying this woman to keep her son in the other dimension because he's such a fuck up. He's gonna he's gonna ruin his reelection chances. That was kind of interesting, but yeah. other than that, I didn't find I almost the I, characters interesting. I didn't find this the stakes that interesting. I I almost feel um, like they le- they leaned into it a little too hard. Like if you yeah, if you'd I mean, give if you'd give me more time to establish her as the main conduit him as the idiot son you know like if you gave me a little more time to establish kind of to get a sense of what was going on i think it, it could have gone a, it could have gone a little yeah. smoother you know yeah and even at the end when, when the mayor's like yeah i'm, I'm gonna pay you to get rid of my son for the time i'm reelected i didn't get a sense that he was that pr- problematic and right. you know he's, he's just kind of a he's just a dude like it wasn't anything about him that made me think oh get this guy out of here um We've talked about how a lot of the image series have started, and really you don't get a good sense of what you're reading until issue two. Right. And I think this might be another case of that. Yeah, uh, I agree. Like if this is a du- really if this know. was if this was a double length issue, I think we would have been in a better spot. But um, I can see it. But but Greg Hinkle, I'll I'll take it just for Greg Hinkle alone because I want to see him sure. doing regular work. So. Um, so ratings. 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 Connor. Ratings. I'm going to give it a two. I'm going to give it a three. A three. A solid three. Sticking with it? I will, yes. Probably not. If oh. it comes out on a super light week, I might check it out, but okay. no promises. All right, cool. So as we said, that's uh, our patron pick. Go to patreon.com slash ifanboy, and you can uh, sign up there and get your vote in. But you also get, if you give it the proper level, your own dumb superpower. So everyone who supported us over patreon.com slash ifanboy, who I think is a $3 level. Um, or it's a $5 level. It might be the $5 level. $5, $5, yeah. $5 level. Uh, everyone who's joined at that level gets their own dumb superpower. We give them out every week on the show. And I'll start off by thanking Sean Anderson for being a patron. And Sean Anderson's power, Ron, yep. is uh, you've heard of uh, finger painting. Okay. Uh, he can emit any kind of paint or ink from his fingertips. Wow. Okay. I can see that. So in unlimited supply? Unlimited, any color. Okay. You want watercolors. You want acrylics. You want oils. Um, you want it matte. You want it glossy. All right. You want to just do some calligraphy? Uh, you want some some nice ink? Wow! Um, but can can you paint can you paint a house? It would take a long time. Okay, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, can you, can, is it is it like a fire hose esque spray, or is it at the same pace? Like, does is there pressure involved? Can he control the flow? Or yeah, he can control the flow, and I mean, theoretically, he could shoot a fire hose esque spray out. But yeah, it's just you're just asking for a giant mess then. At that right? Point. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just going to take him a long time. He can. You know he can put ink, he can put the paint out there, but you know, right, geez, right. right. The, the the reason why I use the roller is the coverage you get. Right. Yeah. All right. So uh, there's that's Sean Anderson's power. 
Okay. Um, we want to thank Chris Stein for supporting iFanboy. And Chris Stein, very simply, like one of the original members of the X-Men, has a pair of wings. Oh. Uh, but back? Well, no, they're located right uh, at the base of his neck and his spine where they meet, and they're maybe the size of like three inches each. Oh, so, so really he's not, no lift off from that. No lift off from that whatsoever. But he's got wings. He just can't fly. So... Uh, so he's got to, he's got to invest in scarves. Yeah, really, to cover it up, to have some some level of shame. But like, if yeah. he didn't weigh as much as an average human male weighed, right. he could fly. But it, it's it's an ostrich situation going here. Right. If he had yeah. if he had uh, hollow bones, maybe. Right. But yeah. no. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sorry, Chris. Yep. Um, Eric Stalsman. This is um this is sad. Actually, this oh, is one no. of those powers that really, it just doesn't do him any good. Is that his his body uh, metabolizes alcohol so fast he can't get drunk. Oh, it's like the Flash, but without the speed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's just that's no matter what. Or, or it could be a blessing. I mean, if he's into craft beers and things like that, he could have a great time, right? Sure, but like, you know, he could just he could just chug a, a jug of a vodka and just nothing. Wow. Yeah. Ultimately, probably healthier, but okay. It's 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 a it's a tragic power. We didn't, we never said these powers would all be good. No, no, we never did. We never did at all. In fact, yeah. James Pelter, uh, we want to thank James Pelter for supporting my fanboy. And his power is that he can dig a hole like no tomorrow. And like the thing is that he can build a structural hole that will literally go all the way to China. Like he's a master digger. He's a master digger. Interesting. So he is this in. So is it just the dirt, or like does he create the? He, does he use wood to create like the, the no, to shore he, up the walls? Yeah, no, he he's got he's almost got like a force field bubble that kind of goes around him that keeps the 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 dirt at bay, you know. So he doesn't have mm-hmm. to do the he doesn't have to do oh, the whole the whole kind of thing, but he can he can keep he can mentally keep a dug hole, uh, you know, constituted in in a good shape for as far deep or long or wide or whatever that you want, he can dig like nobody's, like nobody's wow. business. So, well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. So, go so those are your powers. <laughs> Patreon.com slash I fanboy. As we said, uh, that's where you can go sign up. Um, for, I, I, w- I would like to make a note about these powers that we have lost yeah. control of these powers. And yeah. now we're in perilous, oh. perilous territory that we might be doing duplicate, duplicate powers at some point. Um, we were keeping track in the beginning, but listen, life is tough. But listen, that's where you, the listener, comes in. Right. If someone will step up and catalog all of these powers, uh, there might be a little bonus uh, patron reward for you in in, in the making. So uh, yeah. If, if you want to take if you want to take the challenge, email us at contact.ifanboy.com. Let us know if you're open to it, and then we'll figure we'll work something out. But we, yeah, if you uh, if you want to go through catalog them all, we'll send you something. Yeah, send you yeah something yeah, nice. Something we'll make, real we'll make, nice. We'll make it worth your time. So. so as we said, patreon.com slash iFanboy, we are $700, less than $700 away from our next goal, which is live streaming every episode. But <laughs> we, we had a discussion amongst ourselves. Yes. And you may have seen this week that Josh and Ron, and we're going to get to this later, by the way. Yeah. Let's not talk about this now. Uh, released a podcast reviewing T2, Trainspotting, se- Trainspotting yep. uh, the sequel. And we thought maybe... Instead of the live streaming, the next reward should be once a month we'll do a non-comics-related podcast. So we have – are we going to put it to a vote to the patrons, Ron? Are we going to put a poll up? How are we going to do this? Yeah, we could do that. I really wish we had pushed this off a week. Um, 
<laughs> no, but yeah, no, we'll we'll throw up. We're gonna throw up a poll when this uh, when this uh, goes on when this episode goes live, just for the patrons only. But you'll be able to vote if you support changing the next goal from being live streaming of every episode to uh, once a month non comics related media podcast. Um, partially because you all had so much fun with you, every year, everyone has so much fun with our all media podcast. We do too. We see other stuff instead of comics, and instead of starting a new show or starting a new site or whatever else, like, let's just we're all here, we're all having fun. We all like the same things. We've gotten some good feedback on the train spotting one so far. So, um, it, but it's for you guys. So if you're up to it, if you don't want that, we're gonna have to come up with another goal because live streaming every episode is become might be more logistically challenging than we thought when we launched the Patreon. So. <laughs> Maybe we should swap it with Josh. Leave social media. Yeah, that, let's not give them any ideas. Right now, we're just we're, we're offering up a non-comics movie, TV, book, something other topic once a month. Uh, so yeah, so let us know if you approve of that change. And also, t-shirts are coming this month in April. The t-shirt store, which was the last goal we hit, yes, uh, that's coming up. We have the designs all set. We have the manufacturer already. We just need to get the store open, and the t-shirts will be available. So thanks to the patrons. The, the iFanboy t-shirts are going to come back and a couple of new designs, which we're, are, we're excited about. We're very, very excited. So, Also, if you want to help the show, iFanboy.com slash support. That's where you can go shop via Amazon, via the Amazon link. Even better, make that your direct direct link in your bookmarks. You never have to go back to iFanboy.com slash support again. Or you can direct donate via PayPal uh, on that page as well. Again, eccentric, eccentric billionaires are welcome, unlike the Irish, who are not welcome. Never. Never right. Irish. So on to your questions from the, from the audience, from the community. Uh, we got an email from Matt from Toledo who brought up a very interesting question. Connor, I wanted to ask you. Uh, Matt from Toledo says, I've been listening to your podcast ever since I moved from medical school and it helped me get by as I suddenly found myself in a new city without my comic friends to gush about things like the way this Capullo has been really beefing up Batman's neck and, <laughs> and deliver nuanced reviews of books with great comic industry uh, and history context. So my question for you guys is that are there any comics you don't recommend to new readers? Okay. And he says, I once loaned Morrison and McKean's Arkham Asylum to a friend whose comment was, I don't know these characters. I don't understand what was happening or why you thought I should read it. <laughs> I've been thinking about this since the Killing Joke animated movie was advertised, and I started seeing hearing friends recommend the book to people, and I couldn't help but feel like it's not a great book to recommend to new readers, particularly now as one could read the book as Fridging Barbara. Uh, a lot of my friends always try to get people to read Watchmen or Sandman, and while these are phenomenal books, I'm sure not. I'm not sure how much my enjoyment of them was in how different they are from superhero books I usually read. Thank you for your endless hours of podcasting. I, I, re- I found a lot of joy in scrolling through your old episodes, reliving some of the big events and shakeups in comics, and listening to the fans try to figure out why they just watched Ghost Rider 2. And I'm still wondering why we watched Ghost Rider 2. But, um, so, Connor, are there any comics you wouldn't recommend to new readers? Comics not to recommend to new readers. First of all, Josh isn't here to disagree with me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with Watchmen as a comic not to give to a new. Wow. Okay. Because I could see um, an argument for that, but I realize that most people point out that what makes Watchmen great is that it's a deconstruction of superhero stories. Sure, it's also a really great story on its own, and Watchmen is a book that has sold millions of copies throughout the years, especially the year the movie came out. I think it sold like nine million copies. Um, no, no, not all those copies went to comic super, you know, people who read books every Wednesday. It's also a really great murder mystery story. I think you can enjoy it on a level, in that level, and you can enjoy it even more when you realize what it actually is. But I would have no problem giving Watchmen to a non-comics reader. I have no problem people, non-comics readers watching the movie. Unforgiven is a Western movie deconstructing the Western, but it's also a great story. And at its heart, that's the most important thing. Sandman is one of the most popular 
comics in history to non-comics readers. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I couldn't think of a worse book to say don't give to a fan because it. it I mean. 20 years, 20, 25, 30 years ago, this was the book that everyone read that was reading comics. I mean, that is, it is, you're talking about the most popular book. Actually, between Watchmen and Sandman, those might be one and two, the two most popular books with non-comic book reading people. So I would disagree with those two. However, uh, almost any, any, almost any book that comes out on Wednesday, I would not give to a comic. Well, well, that's what, that's what, well, yeah, I I agree with you there on any recent comic to come out Wednesday, but I would make the argument going, you know, kind of closer to the superhero books and to my heart, whatever. I don't think I would give, um, Morrison X-Men to a new reader. No, because by that point it was so convoluted. And so, you know what I mean? Like it was, I don't know. know, That beginning was pretty, I mean, I feel like that'd be Kind of familiar to people who've seen the movies. Yeah, <laughs> by the Maybe. end, for sure. By the by the end, but from the beginning, I don't know. I, yeah, the the new readers thing is so it, it's it's. I I, I I have a fundamental disagreement. I don't know that there's anything you shouldn't give to a reader. I mean, maybe yeah. your friend just didn't like that story. Arkham Asylum. Well, Arkham is not Asylum a very is, is accessible story. Even people yeah. who read comics on. I mean, many years ago, many years ago, we did a we did a whole Grant Morrison week at iFanboy. We did video shows and all this, uh, all these reviews. And Arkham Asylum is a very polarizing book even to people who read comics every week it it's a very challenging dave mckean's art's very challenging i wouldn't i don't know that i'd give that that book to yeah. a new reader but any other book i would certainly give uh i would give killing joke i would certainly give watchman i'd certainly give sandman um it's i, I think oftentimes comic readers don't give new other readers enough credit yeah that's fair i think that's fair well, I mean, is there anything you would? I mean, other than Morrison's X Men, is there anything I'm, you? I'm would? trying to think of anything that I wouldn't. That I wouldn't. I'm trying to think of something that I think is so great that I wouldn't give someone. Um, For me, I think it's more of an art thing. Like, yeah. like Electra oh, Assassin. Yeah. Electra is a really great book, but I don't know that I'd give a non-comic reader that Bill Sienkiewicz. It's just it's challenging. Uh, but they but have to be able to follow the story. What's the Alan Moore book? Well, with the with with the nudies. <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> Uh, 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 oh, what was the name of that uh, book? Uh, shit, that was my go-to joke for years. With Melinda Gevy. Uh, oh, what was that book? Something Girls. Girls. Something Girls. Lost Girls. Lost Is it Lost Girls? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I wouldn't give that book. Yeah, I wouldn't give that book. I wouldn't give that. Yeah. I think I think Necronomicon or whatever. <laughs> the, the, you know, like a lot of the Alan Moore over, I think, is a, is a the challenge. New Moore, <laughs> the, new, the new Alan Moore stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anything at Avatar Press. <laughs> yeah it is lost girls yes lost girls <laughs> all right all right we got one more quick uh quick email connor patrick says i've been thinking about this question since the last full moon and i wondered what you thought about superheroes in relationships do heroes dating work for y'all or should they be single recently connor got mad about dick grayson dating someone other than barbara how do you feel about dick and starfire great sure i uh it's First of all, what you have to understand is is my, Dick and Barbara are my Scott and Gene. Yeah. For, for I don't want to see Dick with someone else, but however, that the fun of it is that is them not being together. And for, also, this is strange. Both emails reference Barbara Gordon. Yeah. Um. Uh. Dick and Starfire, great. They had a great romance throughout the eighties in, in the Teen Titans books. It's not about relationships that are my problem. My problem is f- is finality. These are never ending, unaging characters. You, when you marry a character, when you give them a kid. That that is a serious change to who they are. When they're just dating other people, that's totally fine. These are at their heart, 
as much as people don't want to admit it, these are soap operas that yep. we're reading every week. Exactly. And, and it's just there's just more punching in them. Yeah, and, that, and that's my point is that I think that I, I think that relationships firmly belong in comic books because that that I'm like my favorite years of X Men books were those X Factor books of the original team in New York City and Iceman was trying to date and Beast was trying to date and Scott and Jean were together and etc cetera, etc cetera, you know like it just um, like that that's when the X Men worked great is when the soap opera was in effect and I think you had that with Spider Man with all that sort of stuff the problem is is that when you lean too into it and to your point like getting married having kids and all this stuff but if you keep the perpetual soap opera going um that's a great source of tension and drama which i think i sometimes i'd rather read more than the punching you know yeah and the um, thing is you lose that when you when you marry a character so when when spider-man was married to mary jane you lost the tension of he's dating mary jane but he's all now he's dating black cat and now he's dating betty brand now i mean is that is inherently part of the superhero story that the, the never-ending saga is is that is that thing um you know, I, I want Dick and Barbara to be together. That's why I got mad because they not so much he's dating the girl, but they were thinking, you know, there was the hint that she was pregnant because that would change things. That would make it really hard for Dick Grayson to be dating everybody in the DC universe, which is what he should be doing. Um, because these characters have to exist for 50 more years. They're not our characters. They're, 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 they're historical. And uh, you can't tie them down unless, unless they ask for it. All right. Well, if you've got any questions, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. We always love hearing from you all. You can send in voicemails, too, in the form of an MP3 if you like, or just write an email. That's contact at ifanboy.com. All right. So quickly, uh, Booksplode. Ron and I talked about The Flash by Mark Wade, book one. That was a patron-enabled uh, show where we talked about the first volume of that series. We talked about our love of The Flash. We talked about our history of reading Flash, how we got into it. Uh, fun show about The Flash by Mark Wade, book one. You can find that back on the feed. A lot of fun. Yes. All now, right. Ron, as you mentioned uh, earlier, Josh and I got together and we recorded a podcast about T2 train spotting because uh, we are aging hipsters and we needed to talk about it. And uh, it was our first foray into doing something non-comics related. So we hope you enjoy it. You can find that in the feed right behind this. Uh, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. If you had any interest in that movie, I think honestly, Connor, I, th- I don't know if you got a chance to do it, but it, I, I, as I was editing, I'm like, wow, this is a really good conversation. So I don't like this happened in secret. <laughs> I don't like I wasn't consulted. Um, I feel betrayed. And a little hurt, if I'm being honest. Would you? Uh, I, don't, would, I don't know how I feel about this. Would you have gotten in on it, or? Well, I, I love transplanting. I just haven't seen the second one. Yet. Well, yeah. Well, the thing is that you've got a lot on your plate right now, and honestly, it literally happened. Josh, feel, tec- Josh texted feel, texted me I feel from. Like someone had an affair, Ron. I, feel I know. Like <laughs> you guys did this behind my back, and all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, so Ron and I did a podcast on transplanting," and. Uh, we Fine. just yeah we just assumed Fine. you wouldn't be into it but no it literally was spur of the moment it was he literally texted me from the theater as the credits were rolling and my whole thing is i've been dying to talk to somebody since i saw it, I get it. so yeah so that's all but Whatever. but hey listen connor this all the reason for you to be on the next one so there you go and finally upcoming shows uh first <laughs> the easy one wilson the the adaptation of the daniel clouds book uh starring woody harrelson one of our favorites uh, Ron wants to do a show on that. I'd love to do a show on that if I had time, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, so here's the deal with that: is that I want to do a show. It might have to be until we have to wait until it's released digitally, or or you know not because I think it's out of theaters. I think it's gonna be out of theaters uh-huh. this week. I did not get to see it, but there's a uh, super secret uh-huh. special guest who I want to come on and talk about it with us, and I got to wait for him to see it as well too. So we're gonna do it at some point this year. It will happen. Um, oh, so it won't necessarily be like in the next week. Yeah, exactly. So so we're gonna put it on the shelf. It's gonna happen though. I I think it's going to be a fun conversation, so just be patient. It'll be worth it. And finally, um, one of my favorite things that happens a couple times a year is when people on Twitter start going, 
why haven't you guys talked about the latest Netflix Marvel show? Yeah, your uh, favorite you time of year. Talk, yeah. You must never be talking about it. Insert uh, Luke Cage. Insert Daredevil season two. Insert Iron Fist now. Um, I say this because you people must not be listening to this segment of the show. We, we joked about that, but you must not because you would know for the last month we've been telling you Iron Fist will be coming in May because yeah. we haven't found 13 hours free to watch and it's a lot of hours to find. And, and unfortunately, for better or for worse, many of us are, are moving into a very heavy travel time of this yep. next month. So uh, we got lives. We'll, we'll get there. We're, we're going to watch yeah. it. I swear to God I'm going to watch it. We're going to talk about it. But you've heard enough about it. You want to hear our take. We appreciate that. It'll happen in May, and it'll be worth it. So There's, there's no way around it. Yep. All right. All right. So there you go. Those are our shows. So head over to ifanboy.com where you can find all of our previous podcasts, including the train spotting show, including the, the books blowed about the flash, including all the pick of the week shows. Everything's there at ifanboy.com. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at ifanboy or at Facebook. Like us at facebook.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can find out what the pick is before the show. You can know you can be in on it. Uh, and as well as when all other random podcasts come out. Um, so good. To, you know, it's good to, good to be following us. If you want to follow us individually, you can follow me at Ron XO, uh, Connor at C. Kilpatrick on both Twitter and Instagram and Josh is at J.A. Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram and maybe you know where he is because we don't. Well, but it's approved. His, 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 his uh, disappearance was approved by HR so I can't complain. It was approved but on the other yeah. hand literally before the show Ron and, I, Ron and I were both like I have no idea where he is in the whole world. Like, I literally have no could, idea. Like I thought he was somewhere. arrive in a river somewhere and yeah. I wouldn't know which where to look. I thought he was somewhere but I don't think he is and now I'm concerned <laughs> so yeah. And finally, if you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Even if it's not a full review, just leave us a star rating. That really helps. For our show, any podcast you listen to, whenever I listen to a podcast, I try to make sure I always leave a review. That is the easiest way you can help a show uh, find uh, audience, find recognition. People are looking for podcasts, look for high-rated shows. So it really, you know, we appreciate every review we get, every rating we get. Ratings. Ratings, ratings. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. Connor, we're going to bid you adieu for a couple of weeks, right? I'm out. You're out. So uh, we want to congratulate you in advance and enjoy your time off, and we'll welcome you back in May, right? I'll be back in May. All Until right. then, I'm Connor. I'm Ron. Together,